Welcome to Trust Your Body podcast. We will discuss teams from embodiment to mental health and explore how enhancing trust and building the relationship you have with your body will guide you towards finding the answers that you seek. I'm your host, Anthony Claffey, and I will interview people from various walks of life to share their knowledge and wisdom they have gained on their personal journeys. We will share how you can learn to listen to your body, understand what it's saying, and by learning to trust it, you can transform your life. Today, I'm very honoured to have Mr. Phil Greenfield here with me. Phil is a body worker of 20 plus years, an educator and author of one of my favourite books, Unraveling, Letting Go, Getting Well. In this episode, Phil shares his principles on working with the body, the power of touch, the skills of noticing and becoming aware of our unconscious habits. Phil also has a lovely manner about how he explained things, so I'm sure you will enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome. I'm delighted to have you. Great to see you. And, uh, you too, mate. You too. You too. We've been a bit separated by all this stuff that's been going on, and it's um, it's just nice to see your face. Yeah, it is. It is. I was thinking um, before we start, how we actually met was randomly on social media by me looking to purchase your book, and that was about four years ago, I think. Yeah, maybe longer. Yeah, could be. Could be. When I think back now to the impact. The book had on me but also the impact of meeting you and how we actually became friends it's been a kind of a very interesting journey since and it's kind of one of the reasons i want you to be here and um, i think you have a very very important message to share to the world and so i want to get the ball rolling with question number one is what does trusting your body mean to you hmm. where does trust start um, i always think that trust starts with friendship um, you know, it's like you're hardly likely to trust somebody or, yeah, I mean, for the sake of argument, you're hardly likely to trust somebody who you're not friendly with. You know, there's got to be a kind of an accord between you and the person. Um, starts with friendship, develops into a place where you can kind of lean into each other and feel confident that, that you know, you're both not going to fall over or if one of one of you moves the other one doesn't fall flat on their face yes it's kind of mutual leaning in which i think is at the basis of friendliness um and trust and for a start it's an experiment you know it's like you try it out does it work Do you get let down and and i think you know for, in terms of your question having trust in my body is about firstly realizing that it's kind of friendly you know, it's, it's very easy to, I think it's very easy to uh, sort of consider your body as some kind of adversary um, mm. or maybe even some sort of other that you have demands of, you know, often sort of a bit um, excessive and then it kind of lets you down. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I mean, it's inevitable that you, you might develop that kind of relationship because who hasn't been through their life and had an experience where things have, have you know gone to shit for a period of time or for even longer mm. and so you know I, I always kind of think we're born into innocence and and that we have this sense of of the world as being a seamless place you know it's that kind of joyfulness of being a child and then all of a sudden you, you get a wake-up call by something coming slamming into your world that makes you realize that it's not just you and the world in one happy seamless place but it's like the world impacts you and um, then I think dependent upon your reaction or your response to that um, you'll start to see the world as a safe place or maybe less so 
Mm. You know, I think it's that loss of innocence, which is, is at the basis of a lot of um, human trouble. And, you know, the, the environment that you're most likely to experience that in is in your own body in terms of pain um, or, you know, accident, fractured bone. Yeah. Anything that suddenly brings it home to you that you are in relationship with this body. You know, it's like it's like that separation. It's like yeah. Third, yeah. There, was, there was just experience and then there's you and then there's your body. And, and that relationship can kind of go one or two ways. You know, it can either develop into a friendly, trusting relationship or it just becomes hugely adversarial. And I think that's inevitable. Yeah. So I've, I've been blessed, you know, I have to say, it's like I've, I've never broken a bone. I've never had a serious accident. Um, I've had some kind of low level chronic stuff like hay fever. I've never had surgery. Um, I've had a lot of emotional pain, you know, mm. and that seems to be located somewhere in here. Um, <laughs> places that I can't often look, you know, um, identify. Um, so I think my, I have a good trust in my body. I think I always have done um, because I see it as me. It seems reliable and it's always kind of played ball in terms of what I've asked it to do. I'm much more suspicious of my emotional self because that's the bit that's been all over the fucking car park for decades you know, and starting to get it together now, but yeah. work in progress. I love, uh, there's so much that came up for me just listening to you. And I'd like to unpack bits of it. Mm. So one of the things I, I picked up on as, as you were going along was kind of parts about me, but how you kind of tuned into the relationship with your body. Um, and I know particularly how I used to treat mine was aggressive, control force tension and and things are kind of the polar opposite now and the relationship we have my body is very very in tuned to sometimes i take it for granted and one of the things that i got from you was you on your well it was your zero balancing course was one of them but you did your breath bones and gravity course and you gave the analogy of the donkey lean and your analogy of the donkey lean is very similar to how I look at my own body uh, how I interact with it. And I'd like you to give us, give us the story on the donkey lean. Um, I mean, I, I, need, I need to credit um, the, the whole thing to Dr. Fritz Smith, who is the, the founder and originator of Zero Balancing. Um, it's something I was introduced to in 1993. And I would say it's probably the thing that's had one of the things that had the biggest impact on my life. I've kind of changed my relationship with it over the years, but I know when I encountered it, it kind of completely blew me away. And the reason it blew me away was because Fritz was talking about relationship. You know, he was saying that, you know, we, we have a body, we have a mind, there is a person in there somewhere. You know, you can, you can map make this in all sorts of different ways. But the primary thing is how does one thing relate to another? And his um, primary analogy was this idea of, of structure and energy. You know, um, he was, you know, he was a very sort of a illustrative teacher. Um, even though he was a medical doctor, he was, he was kind of out there, you know, being brought up in California and being involved in all that stuff in Esalen. So his, his final narrative certainly sounds a little bit esoteric, 
but he was pointing again towards this primary duality. You know, we, we have a structure. We definitely have a structure. This is stuff that's palpable. You know, we can register it on lots of levels. But there is more to us. You know, there's stuff we can't touch, but we know is actually kind of has a reality, such as mind and emotions. And he used to kind of uh, talk about energy in a way which suggested that there was a type of, of energy that was to do with the body, which is something I've kind of moved away from. But I like I like the idea because my kind of take on it is that energy is everything that isn't structure you know you, you can look at it that way just as a simple map but what it means is that the structure of the body and all the other stuff has a relationship and he used to use this nice analogy of a sailing boat you know and say if you imagine a sailing boat that's, that's going through the water the energy of the wind filling the structure of the sail if the sail is tapped in really nicely to the wind you get this exhilarating ride and I, you know, that just blew me away because I know that when my dual aspects of structure and whatever else it is are in sync, it feels good. Mm. You know, it feels creative and it feels enlivened. And I think this is, this is what he was always coming back to. It's like the enlivening of life is like, I mean, surely that's, that's important. And so he used a simple idea of saying, you know, if you can get this bit and this bit in good relationship, that's what you'll experience. And, you know, the thing about Fritz, I always think about him as being, you know, quite naive as well as being a genius. And I think that was part of the beauty of what he talked. You know, could you just say stuff and you go, that's really good, but it's really simple. <laughs> um, so back to the donkey. You know, he, he said, you know, when you're working with somebody, you're working with two aspects of who they are. And he used to call them the donkey and the rider. So the donkey is like the beast of burden. You know, this is, this is the animal, you know, the, the structure of the body and all of its biology, which is what the rider is sitting on. You know, the rider being the intellectual mind, the observing consciousness, whatever. But, but again, these two are in relationship. And, and his question was like, you know, how do you treat your donkey? You know, it's like, do you, do you consider it as a, as a beast of burden? You're going to thrash it until it falls over and you get a new one because that ain't going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, you're stuck with it. Yeah. Um, or are you going to, you know, realize it's an integral part of your life? Uh, you need it. So feed it, you know, water it, stroke it, sleep it, rest it, you know, and do all those things that the animal needs. And then the animal will respond to you in a favorable way. But, you know, his, his thing was, was it his thing? I think it's something, the conclusion I came to that from what I observe, I see that many people treat their donkey in a way which is dismissive, excessive, coercive, you know, all those things that we know about the relationship that people have with their bodies. So, yeah, getting that relationship right between donkey and rider is, is, a, is a thing. You know, it's, it's a simple map by which we can go, okay, where am I today? You know, it's like, how's the donkey? You know, mm. uh, is my rider out of anxiety, you know, like running the show and really giving the donkey some crap? Um, or are we in, a, in an interesting relationship that's going to be creative and easeful? Um, but the exercise of the donkey lean, um, which I've, everybody I've done it with, and I, I know I did it in the BBG class, and we always do it at sort of awesome workshops. It's, it's a kind of a, a body felt way of experiencing trust mm. in the structure of the body and its ability to let go into the support 
of another. And and bottom line is you just stand back to back and, and just kind of lean in a little bit. Yeah. Put your legs out a bit and then just kind of let go. And everybody I've done it with is going like, that's amazing. It just feels great. And that's, I think that's the, the thing, you know, it's like when you feel something, you have an embodied experience of, of a concept, you really get it. You know, it, it goes home in a way, uh, sorry, or it, uh, it lands in a way which is, you know, completely different to just having a, an intellectual understanding of it. Yeah. So Fritz, you know, bless him, you know, he was full of little ideas by which you could kinesthetically experience something in about two seconds which might take an hour to explain. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, he got a lot of flack about that because people are going, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he's not being very scientific. He's, but it's like, fuck it. You know, it's like, I know that the narrative that underpins zero balancing is kind of questionable on some levels. But there's no doubt, you know, that when you get somebody on the table and, and give them a ZB, it's like very often they have a very nourishing experience. You know, mm-hmm. despite the mechanisms underpinning yeah. what might be happening, it's like, who cares? Well, some people care. I care more than I used to. You know, I used to be way out there. And I've kind of come back into a place where I'm going, is that right? And, you know, I, I, was, I was brought up as a scientist. My dad was a scientist. I started off in microbiology. And I, I was just so curious about the world, you mm-hmm. know, which for me is the basis of science. It's like being curious, working out how things work. And, um, I, you know, I, I grew up in an environment where that was encouraged. And I got my first, you know, working as being a microbiologist. So I was, I was very over that side. Mm. But it just got to me. You know, it was too tight. There was too much stuff I was seeing that I just couldn't make sense of. And so I just went and, and disappeared into the, my esoteric for, for, quite, for quite a number of years. And I really enjoyed it because it just started to shatter a lot of the, you know, I was stuck over here mm. and, and I wanted to, cause I wanted to be in the middle. I wanted to be able to hold these two things uh, simultaneously and actually explore them. And that's why zero balancing uh, appealed to me. Yeah. Because Fritz was saying, when you touch a person, you can feel their structure. You know, there's no doubt about that. You can evaluate their structure, but when you touch them, you will also notice things about them that are not to do with structure, you know, which he called energy. Mm. Um, so beyond that uncomfortable duality in terms of terminology, there's no doubt that when you, there's no doubt in my mind that when you touch somebody, you ain't just touching their structure. Yeah. And if you are, then there's a possibility you're not connecting with them as a whole person. Yeah. You know, it's like touch can be supportive. It can be encouraging. It can be a way of eliciting relaxation, you know, a, a reduction in sympathetic arousal. You know, bringing somebody to a place of rest. Touch can do that. Um, but touch can also be coercive and it can be cruel and it can be abusive. So touch in itself is a, is a huge subject. But yeah. I think that Fritz's touch in itself was extremely skilled. And, you know, he could get the donkey like that. You know, just, yeah, just by touching, you know, he was he was a master of that. Sorry, that was a very long answer to a very short question. That's okay. I I get to sit here and listen to it all. <laughs> Some of the questions aren't popping up. You're already answering them for me. So okay. <laughs> yesterday or the day before, um, I put up a post. I actually received a post from someone saying, "You talk about trusting your body a lot and listening to your body." 
the person said that really resonated with me but i find it so hard to actually let go and let it let it be in control i'm always trying to i think he was talking about dominating his breathing and i want okay. to make myself breathe a certain way yeah and he said i realize when i actually let it go that it can do it itself and when it does it itself my body will respond in a certain way and i love the message yeah. and i shared on social media and i just asked the question for to, to, to you know to people and said do you find it hard to let go and i was very surprised that one lots of people responded but every single one of them said yes and there was well there was 20 or 30 something replies yeah. saying yes we find it hard to let go my first thought was what is their relationship with their body what's their relationship with their donkey how do they trust their body how do they listen to their body how do they tune in um, this may feed into to me asking you about your book, but when when someone is listening to this conversation, and I'm sure they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of get what they mean, but I know how I trust and listen to my body, and I know how you do, but if someone knew and they wanted to start on this journey of I want to interact with this thing I own differently, what do you think they could do? What would be something I'm very interested in I'm fascinated by simplicity and how easy things can be, particularly when it comes to the human body, to the extent, to the extent where I'm, I'm baffled by what it's capable of doing. Yeah. And the, that, that kind of um, bewilderment is what interests and fascinates me about it so much. And it's, I would just want to know more. So if, if someone was to join us in this call or, mm. you know, come into a room with us, what could we help them experience that may start them on their own journey to kind of connect in and touch base? And Yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, I think, um, it, you know, and, and I, like you, like to make things as simple as possible. I think you can get very wound up in the fruits and branches of the tree. And, um, I'm, I'm much more interested in the, the, the bit closer to the bottom, you know, where, where you can look at principles rather than methods. Um, so I would say that the first principle that you might want to enact in terms of practice is noticing, you know, with, without the ability to notice something, then you, you can't get a handle on it. Um, when you do notice something, you can go, Oh, it's like that. You know, it starts to uh, have a form. And I think this is particularly um, pertinent, you know, again, coming right to what the stuff that I, I really see as being quite um, fundamental in terms of getting well, it's very pertinent towards uh, body tension, you know, the tension that exists in the muscles at rest, you know, because that's, that's the stuff I think that scuppers us most. Yeah. Um, we obviously uh, recruit muscles when we're lifting loads and, and, and moving around. But what happens when we switch off? You know, what happens to the residual level of tension in the body? And it's one of those classic things, you know, if you're sitting with somebody and they go, oh, I've just realized I'm holding my shoulders up in the air. And, and they, they, they just get a spontaneous realization of, of a habit, you know, a habit which is unconscious. And um, once they've actually changed something, then they've got a contrast. And without a contrast, you can't do anything with it. 
you know, if something's always like this, then it may be that you don't even notice it's like that. It just is what it is. Yeah. But if just for half a second I can slacken it off a bit, that feels different. Mm. It definitely feels different to that. So now I've got a spectrum to work with. So then they come back and they go, do you know, I've been, I realize I put my shoulder up in the air all the time. So the fact that they've had a, an experience of, of being a certain way, which they didn't even know was a certain way, and then they have an experience of being a different way, now they've got something they can explore. And mm. hopefully what that elicits is their curiosity. Yeah. You know? um, I, I always, you know, I have this kind of idea that if somebody goes out of a, you know, an encounter with a, a therapeutic encounter, um, and they've had quite a strong contrast experience, that's really going to make a massive difference. Because they're going to go, particularly if they go, bloody hell, that felt good. Mm. You know, that felt so different. Because they're then like, right, how am I going to achieve that myself? You know, for a start, they go, all it's to do with, you know, the person I've just been to see. They, they did it. Um, which is why I, I much prefer education over, you know, internship. Yeah. Even though I had chiropractic training, it was like, you know, you do this and things happen. Um, for me, you know, it's about using cues to help people bring awareness to stuff that they're doing and stuff that I notice and they don't, you know, because there is some, you know, there has to be some skill in the therapist. You know, I think there's a lot of talk about, like, oh, you did it yourself, you know, it's like, you're the one. It's like, if I go to a, set my car to a mechanic, I want the mechanic to go, it's your what's it. That's what needs changing. And he changes the what's it and the car runs like a dream. You go, hallelujah. You know, mm. so you need a you need some level of observational skill and expertise to be able to point people in towards the place where they can go, I, I notice it, you know. And so so I think that is our that is our job, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um it's 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 something that it's it's a learned skill like any other skill, and it's something that what I what I always try and do is bring it back to my body. So if I can notice something and bring it back to my body, I can then ask my body a question to tell me the answer. Yeah. And one of the difficulties I think is is the internet and what's put out on the internet for people to have to navigate through. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, I did I did a talk for the Movement Studio. You did one as well. I kind of talked about this living like this and the perception of posture. I started to talk off by talking about, I saw something on social media of, um, it was a paid advertisement and a woman was standing on a yoga mat and she was teaching people how to stand. And I did, my first reaction was to roll my eyes and go, oh, here we go again. My, my bias is shown. And I went, oh, no, oh, let's see what she does. Give it a moment. Yeah. <laughs> so she did her thing and I went, oh, right. So, and I can see the bias in the back of my head. And I went, no, I won't be biased. I'll copy her. So I copied her to a T and stood there and went, this is fucking horrible. Why, why would someone want to stand like this? And then I just went and let it go and went, oh, that's so much easier. So I started this talk. Yeah, go on. I asked everyone to stand and do absolutely nothing. Just stand and pay attention to how easy it was. Yeah. And everyone, you know, yeah, I'm standing. And then this is... We're going to copy Mary now. I call her Mary. So we copied Mary to a T and stood there. And everyone ended up like this and holding tension. 
And I, I just watched and said, how long would you even hold it for? And you just want to stop. It just didn't make any sense. And it was only easy for me to do to make that kind of uh, correlation or contrast between the two is because I was used to noticing things. Yeah. And instead of listening to someone else's opinion, I just asked my body. And it's what I really like about how you describe noticing. Mm. It's that you, you basically have to start somewhere. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that's the place to notice. Now, the question then is, what can you notice? What's noticeable? Mm. Um, sensation is noticeable thought is noticeable mm. you know you'll, you'll notice it well, you might do you know i remember when i first learned transcendental meditation when i was about 17 you know somebody's saying like just notice that you're thinking it freaked me out because <laughs> i realized that there was a noticer you know not only was there that which was noticed but there was a noticer noticing and it's like, <laughs> oh shit, this is, this is going to send me down some very deep, deep rabbit holes. And I always take the, you know, I, I mistakenly take the view that everybody does that, that they can notice their own thoughts. But actually, the, the reality is that that concept is completely unknown to many people. And what they are is lost in their own thoughts and identify with their own thoughts. Mm-hmm. So that primary stage of noticing for me happened when I was a teenager. And I went along to this TM class and, and heard that. And I'm like, whoa, you know, and, and it literally blew my mind apart because my mind was used to not doing that. So I had a contrast experience, you know, I had been lost in thought and then I had me noticing my thoughts. And, mm. and it was that traversing that, the ground between those two states that, that set up my inquiry as to, you know, what the fuck is all this about? Yeah. You know, and yeah. why are we suffering so much and why are people so different? Why do people de- behave in different ways? You know, that was pretty much the start of my inquiry. And it was, it was a very memorable moment. Mm. Um, but, you know, when, when you think, what can you notice? You can notice sensation. There's definitely sensation associated with muscular tension. You know, or, or is there? Because, again, it's like the, the, the thought example. Um, it might be the case that somebody has no sensory um awareness in their body generally or in parts of their body you know i think inhabiting your body with awareness is a huge journey there are very good reasons why a lot of people might not want to take that journey and it's back to what we were talking about the body being adversarial um, or, or unreliable you know it's like if you've been in hospital for two years when you were a kid and it was and you went through the most dreadful experience on every level it's like you might not be very keen on revisiting the place which appeared to be the site of your suffering and trouble yeah. you know yeah. so again i think our relationship with the body is primary um, it's driven by our conditioning and it's healed by our awareness you know starting to bring awareness back towards the body and when you start doing that, all sorts of stuff can happen. You yeah. know, good stuff as well as difficult stuff. Because if you start, you know, if you walk into a room that's not been inhabited for 10 years, it's like, it ain't going to be in, in a particularly attractive state. And it might be quite scary. You know, you might actually be repulsed by the experience of sensorially entering your body in a way which you haven't done for a very, very long time. So, you know, I, I talk simplistically about these things, but I don't want to appear flippant, you know, because I've worked with enough people and been on my own journey to know that it's actually really difficult 
and it needs careful handling. But the, the beauty of noticing is that it's a principle that doesn't force anything. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And if you can do it through a bit of movement, or if yeah. you can do it through touch, or if you can do it through, you know, whatever other thing can bring your awareness to part of the body, then, you know, if it's gentle and it's incremental and you know, gradual and done compassionately and carefully, then eventually, hopefully, you, you sort of inhabit your whole, your whole house and it all looks lovely yeah. and it feels nice to live in. Yeah. I, I resonate with all parts of that. I, the house I live in now is, is very different to the... <laughs> uh, it's and I haven't even seen it. <laughs> and the one I'm renovating. When I was 12, was the start of me avoiding kneeling down. Turns out I, st- I avoided it for 14 years without ever noticing. I, I, I did notice I stopped doing it. And I noticed my habits of when I knew I had to kneel down, I used to put all the pressure on my right knee and hover the left one off the ground and pretend I was kneeling, even though I wasn't. And part of that was starting to, one, notice that's, that, that's what I was doing. I was so familiar to me um, that it was normal. I got to the stage then when I went, well, I need to do something about this now. And I'm, what do I do? And part of what do I do was I actually had to start to notice what I could start to do very, very incrementally and very slowly and take responsibility that I was going to engage in a process yeah. of actually working with myself. And I always laugh now because I actually kneel quite a lot when I work now. Um, and, and, you know, it's become completely normal to do now, but, Back then, there was not a hope of me kneeling down, particularly on concrete floors. Like it was really uncomfortable. And for people who have had difficult experiences with their bodies or are currently in pain, it's very hard for for them to shift the mindset to I would like to engage in a process because it will prompt long term health in my life. And I'd rather just is there a magic wand? Yeah. And I think that's that's where the difficulty is. Yeah. It's work. It's work. Yeah. Without a doubt, it's work. Yeah. It's all truth. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, you know, you set out on a journey and you, you have a map and you trust the, the person who made the map, but you, you don't know where you're going. Yeah. You know, there's, there's an act of faith in setting off into unknown territory. Um, mm. To think that that might be within your own body is kind of, whoa, it's yeah. interesting. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's work. And, and I, you know, I salute every, every person I've ever met and all the people who are yet to come who, who take that journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of sad and, and kind of ironic that it's often pain and illness and trouble that, that takes us there. Yeah, it's like, again, it's like a second loss of innocence. You go, oh, I've got my life together, and it's in like wham, and all of a sudden everything's coming crashing around your ears. And um, you can either respond to that in one of two ways, really. You can go, you know, into a sense of collapse around it. Um, but but if you've got the right kind of mindset motivation help around you then you know it's it's the next stage mm. it's the next stage of, of digging into your uh, inner world and seeing how that relates to your outer world yeah that's life <laughs> Is that, yeah that, that's exactly it that's life um and i think if we don't start to build these tools of noticing and uh exploring yeah this thing we own there always will come a stage in our life where something's going to hurt or something's going to happen to us 
and how we respond to that. So this morning, I locked myself outside my house, uh, had to go to my neighbors. I had a call in 30 minutes. And my response was, well, what am I going to do about this? I can, you know, panic, try and bang my window down, knowing I'm not going to get into the house because Nolene is deaf. Yeah. And how do I respond to that? We could look at our, our body the same way. And um, if I have pain, do I run to the person and say, take my pain away? Or yeah. do I respond and say, well, I haven't died. I'm still here. Yeah. What's actually going on? Can I start to notice? Yeah. What can I do about it myself? Yeah. And if we have some form of tools, yeah. just like the simple things you were talking about, will actually give us a bit, I think a bit more comfort uh, and a bit more ownership as well to say I can I can do something myself. I think so. Uh, it's it kind of breeds confidence in the person if they have a sense of agency. And so I think this is why our responsibility as helpers is always to educate and encourage. You know, rather than trying to convince people that we have a method and if it's applied, therefore they will get better because that's very often not true anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the more we can actually offer people things that they can do to help themselves that you know better for everybody mm. and again coming back to basic principles i you know i want to be practicing stuff all the time because i'm a geek i'm a geek you know yeah. it's like I, i'm not an apologist for it either because it's what it kind of makes me very happy um but i'm noticing all the time because i've got the capacity to do so you know and that's a trained skill yeah you know it's like when when i decided i didn't want to be you know involved in um you know the world of, of kind of the intellect anymore I, I really got into my body through martial arts and <clears throat> really realized that my relationship with my body was really wayward and so you know remembering the years of that and the blood and sweat and tears and you know no sob story but it was hard i it, it's it's a skill, you know, you have, yeah. and you have to start somewhere. And I think that, you know, back in the day when I was a teenager and I was in my emotional mess and I was turning to my parents and saying, help me, I don't understand what's going on. They're going, I have no fucking clue. You know, we just lived through a second world war and, and, and we're, we're in the midst of our own stuff and we have no, no emotional literacy or any education to help us. So you, you better go and sort it out for yourself, which I did. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. over time. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's like, it, it was real work, you know, real hard work. Well, but it all started off based on noticing. Mm. And I think, you know, back then I didn't have any tools. It was all the kind of find out what you can find out as you go along. But people are so lucky now. Yeah. When you look at what's available in terms of movement, in terms of psychological help, emotional understanding, you know, the, the, the shelves are full of books like um, mine that, yeah. you know, <laughs> are trying to help people to break things down a bit and give them a map to work with, but we had nothing. Yeah, but, it, yeah. but I think potentially, and I think the mindfulness um, movement is, is useful in this respect. It's like, we've got the chance to notice stuff all the time. You know, I'm noticing right now, I'm paying attention to you, but I'm also noticing what's going on. Mm -hmm. in my body. You mm -hmm. know, I'm paying attention to my breath. I'm also paying attention to my mind and how it loses its thread. And I desperately try and come back to what I was talking about. Yeah. So having that ability to stand back and go, there's, there's the witness, you know, 
here's the thoughts, here's the emotions, here's the mental train, here's yeah. the body, here's the breath. It's like that, I think, is a hard-won skill. And, yeah. and I, I think I was very lucky because I didn't have a lot standing in the way of it. Yeah. Because yeah. my parents went, well, you have to sort yourself out, bless them. Um, they also didn't put any restraints in place to stop me doing and stop me learning about weird things mm, mm. which is a blessing so I, I feel very fortunate um and i feel that you know i'm proud of the accomplishment i've made and, and i really encourage it in others yeah yeah i agree i agree it's um, created a degree of peace in my life i've also made some shit mistakes you know and caused a lot of chaos in my wake um but you know coming to nearly 60 I'm, i feel quite resolved mm. you know and I'm, and I'm not ashamed to say that so um, hooray yeah but, you know, it starts with noticing yeah anything anything that can get you to notice more um i think having said that you know um i do get the feeling that a lot of people need to notice a bit less because there's just so much concentration on them every little you know that's going on i don't know what that is but noise noise yeah. noise yeah yeah no i i get that i i call it noise and it's the noise i say that world out there the noise we can come back to this one here and um, it's just the the notes and ownership responsibility taking the time to you know tune in and I, a lot of people we all have the same amount of time in the day but often we, someone will say you know i don't have enough time to do that just give, give me the pill give me the quick face you know if, if that's what people want yeah yeah, it's a cultural thing as well. You yeah, know, and, and we we we're moving from hopefully the the, the model where the you know the expert provides a solution, and, and sometimes they need to. You know, it's like I always say to people, if I was smashed upon the A thirty eight tonight going down to Derby, it's like I don't want to. I should say reflexology treatment, but that sounds very biased. Um, it's like we need experts to do jobs, and there are certain jobs that only experts can do. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, the culture has leaked in probably every aspect of life, and some of that needs to be dealt with differently and personally and i think this idea of self self uh, reliance self-efficacy that's a horrible big word you know it's like just knowing what you can deal with yourself you need other people to deal with and i think in the balance of it it's like there's a load more that you can deal with yourself um, than you probably think yeah. but that's not your fault that you didn't know that it's because the culture has educated you in that way yeah. Like, yeah. And, and again, it's coming back to this thing about not owning your relationship with your body. Yeah. You sacrifice your body to the expert until you don't. It's, it's one of the, the, the things I love about um, the practices that I have. One, it's free and it's actually for me. Yeah. And it's, it all comes from my own body itself. Yeah. So I don't need anyone or anything to do it obviously the more time I spend in it, the, the, the better their noticing ability and the relationship gets as well. So I'm fully on board with you there. And, and in the end, it becomes for others as well. If you have by great good fortune attained the skills by which you can keep yourself in a peaceful and regulated place as a rule in your life, you're a blessing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're a blessing for other people. So I, th I think it does, it does feed out the other way as well. Yeah, completely agree. I want to ask you about your book because okay. this, this, this book, anyone who's met me in person or spoke to me actually in general, I've told them to buy your book. Mm. And, and it's not because uh, I want Phil Greenfield to make loads of money. It's because I want the message within the book to yeah. be shared with so many people. And it's one of those 
like I've read it more than once. I would love to know how you came about to, to decide to put this book together, why you chose to call it unraveling, letting go, getting well. Um, I think the underlying motivation was based on my curiosity of why people suffer. You know, that was the motivation that got me into being a therapist um, and was the motivation of me learning meditation and martial arts. It's like when I was at school, I think I was considered a bit of a weirdo because I was, I was going like, this person's really cruel and this person's really kind. It's like, what? You know, what is that? Something to do with them? Is it something to do with what they're experiencing? So I think I was thinking those kind of thoughts probably when I was about 10, which was a bit odd. Um, but I suffered greatly for it. You know, I suffered from others because of that. And I also mm-hmm. suffered within myself because I just, I couldn't understand why people were so shit to each other. It just didn't make any sense to me. It's like, surely, it, you know, I just. <laughs> so, so that was my motivation for trying to work out how people work. Mm-hmm. And, and when I encountered the meditation, the martial arts, and, and you know, the, the body work, chiropractic and zero balance and like, oh my god this is great you know this is answering so many of my questions and one of the biggest um, influences on my life has, has been buddhism you know which i read into a lot when i was um, younger and, and then i got involved with the buddhist group which didn't turn out particularly too well um, on some levels but I, I still cite those ideas as being really helpful for me in terms of trying to understand that thing so when I got into practice, it was, it was great because I had the opportunity to, to help people, you know, with their suffering. And I very quickly came to the idea that, you know, it's about education, not about, you know, fixing things or intervention. Mm-hmm. And so my emphasis was always on saying to people, it's like, have you tried this? You know, try this, see what it does. You know, have a go at breathing, have a go at meditation, you know, do some standing practice. Um, just, just have a go at these things and, and see what you make of it. And... What one day somebody said to me, you want to write this down? You know, this is kind of good stuff. Um, why don't you make a list or a, you know, a bullet point chart? And I started to think around it and, and I realized I've got kind of bullet points for chapters, you know, and, and working with principles that will cut out all the fluff and all the complexity and come right back to what I thought was fundamentally useful in helping to people to transform themselves. So, you know, it became about skeletal weight bearing. It became about relaxation. It became about movement. It became about meditation. It became about standing back and being able to notice your thoughts and your responses rather than being lost in this maelstrom. So it it was really a a book about map making, trying to make a simple map that would would help people to achieve uh, what I was involved in myself. I thought it was good shit. It was was kind of naive in a way. but somebody said, yeah, write it down. And, and, and I realized there was more material. So I just started to organize it in my computer, my very early computer. And about 10 years ago, my partner said to me, if you don't do this, you know, you're never going to do it. So I was basically locked under the stairs for a couple of months. You know, <laughs> and, and I had to get on with it. And it just, it just went. <laughs> so that was that bit. So all the information was there. And... There's always been a feeling in me, a kind of an affinity with the goodness of life. You know, I I mean, it sounds like an incredibly trite thing to say, and I'm sure it's very informed by my Buddhist encounters. But the universe is, is, you know, I believe impartial. I don't think it's like, oh, you're good, so you get the goodies and you don't. But I think there is a sense of order 
you know, underlying the chaos that creates biology. You know, these complex biological forms that appear out of seemingly nothing. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you see the, the sort of evolution of creatures and minds and, and how people kind to each other. And, and you go, you know, this is, the, this is the possibility that we have as human beings. You know, we have the possibility to be this kind, interconnected, aware, evolved being that kind of can do nothing but good. But that's yeah. not that's not often the case. And so I always had a great faith. I had a faith that that was possible. And I felt that what got in the way of it were stuck patterns, you know, conditioned patterns enforced upon the nervous system, the brain, the mind, the body um, by previous experiences, and which then read out in all sorts of oddnesses in terms of thinking processes, emotional responses, body movement patterns and behaviors. So my thinking was like, and it was this, this image of the golf ball. And, and I think a lot of people who read that, they go, that's not what golf balls look like. But they did when I was a kid. You know, I was about 10 years old and we cut a golf ball apart. And underneath yeah, yeah. the shell, there's this ball of elastic bands that are all wound around each other. Yeah, yeah. And you set it down on a surface and put a little nick in it. And it goes, <laughs> and, and starts spinning around like a jumping jack. And then it stops for a bit and it starts again. <laughs> and, and I'd never forgotten this image. And I thought, that is what, it might feel like if you just start to stop doing what you normally do and do something different. And, and this idea of unraveling, there is a place we can come back to that has far more elegance and ease about it on so many levels. But what's stopping that is, is the protective tension. So I thought, well, what do you do to, you know, to change that? It's like just start noticing it. You know, noticing when it's tight and let it go. Bump, bump. Just do it and see what happens. Yeah. That's what the golf. What's what we did with the golf ball. So I, I get this idea of, of you know, it's like put those simple practices in place. The machine starts to drive it. You know, just as you would cut your finger and it heals. It's like you don't have to look at that while it's healing. You know, you, you don't have to think about it. It just does its own stuff. Mm. And I, I think you can apply that analogy right across the board through biological systems. Um, yeah. And like I say, I talk in a way which is kind of naive, and I hope it's not flippant and people go, yeah, have you thought about this? I go, well, no, I, I generally don't think about it. <laughs> so I, I, it's just this, this, this principle, if you like. And in terms of the title of the book, um, I was lying on a sun lounger in Morocco. I remember it distinctively. And, and it was a beautiful day. And I was thinking about the book because I started to put all this stuff together. And this title just fell out of the sky. You know, I kid you not, I mean, you hear people say things like this, but it just went kaplunk, unraveling, letting go, getting well. Fab, right, I'll have that. Wrote it down. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) And for anyone who's listening anyway, I'm going to share your link to where you can get your book online. Everyone should buy it. So it's very, very well worth it. And, and I'd like, at that point, I'd like to thank you, you know, because I know you've always been a, a, you've been a great friend and a, a real advocate. And I, and I think you're one of the, you know, there are several people, I think, who, you know, everybody wants to be understood, don't they? Mm. You know, it's kind of a basic human thing. And, and I think you, that you've got what it was I was trying to put across, probably more than anybody else I know. So thank you. Thank you. you. Feelings mutual, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. One big mutual appreciation <laughs> yeah we did we did so i have one more question before i ask you the question where can people find you so 
your social media, your website. I'm going to put all these in the show notes anyway, but just... Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, I mean, I tend to be a bit messy with my tech. You know, I've got websites that I don't maintain. I probably just need sweeping out. Like one of the roof that hasn't been decorated. <laughs> and I mean, to an ex- a certain extent, I obviously don't care about it that much. You know, I, I like the, the, on, on the, the sort of daily interactions of, of stuff on Facebook. You know, I love Facebook debates. I've been in real trouble over the last couple of days, as you've probably seen. Yeah. Um, but I, I just like the the in the moment stuff about that. So I do most of my stuff on Facebook. I spend most of my life on. <laughs> um, so yeah, Phil Greenfield on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, but I don't do much on there. I've got a couple of websites, coralignment.co.uk and pancoach.co.uk. But I, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm terrible. I need to take a few lessons from you. you know, what I would say is for you is that Phil is very, very approachable on social media and it's probably easiest for general public to get you on Facebook. And that's how I, I was introduced to you and it's how I ordered my book to you on via Facebook. There is a book website, which I'm sure you'll put up, but I will. people I will. message me and I've, I've got, I have stocks here. So I just send, just send them out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's stock in Dublin as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. I saw that. There is. There really, is really yeah. stacked as well. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll make sure we'll make sure you're easy accessible. That's the main thing. That's yes. the main thing. Um, my last question what one change would you like to see in the world? I think I would like to see, God, it's like Miss World, isn't it? Um, <laughs> sorry, that was a terrible reference. Um, it's like, you know, more kindness, you know, more kindness. But I think that kindness emerging out of a real understanding of what kind we are, you know, it's like, if I know myself, if I understand myself, if I've observed and noticed myself, I'll, I'll notice the fact that certain things trigger me, wind me up, you know, make me unhappy, and I'll try and do something about those. And, and I think there's, there's a bit too much knee-jerkness in, in people's reactions to each other, particularly on social media. Mm. You know? And I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else. It's like, whoa! You know, so there's a learning process for me as well. But I think if we could understand ourselves, know ourselves a little bit more, then we'd be a little bit more sympathetic to the fact that, you know, and again, it sounds quite trite, but it's, it's worth trotting out that everybody is in a war, every single person. And it's not for anybody to judge the amount of suffering that somebody else is experiencing. Mm. You just know that they are in their own personal pool of shit. Um, and that's how it'll always be. So if every time we meet somebody, we can go, you know, good on you. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all doing our bit for, for ourselves as individuals and for the collective. And, um, yeah, just a bit more, a bit more friendship. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure, as always, as it always is, chatting to you. Um, and hopefully I get to see you at some stage soon. Oh, yes. Yeah, Maria's over in um, West Ireland this week. Lovely. She's gone back for a few days, so but we thought uh, she'll she'll just go and try it out, make sure it's safe. <laughs> make sure it's safe. <laughs> but next time I'm over, which hopefully will be before the end of the year, we'll uh, yeah, we catch up. We catch up. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Phil, thank you very much. I shall put all the details in the show notes and um, everything about Phil, his book. It will all be there. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Trust Your Body podcast. 
If you found the episode valuable, please share it with friends and family and please leave us a review on iTunes. It would be awesome if you could take a screen cap and tag me on Instagram at Anthony underscore Claffy. Again, thank you so much. And remember, no one knows your body better than you. Trust it. <laughs>